Welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show. This week we are looking at strategic alliances and JVs. Are they a cash grab or are they a way of adding service to you as the customer? Drop in, see what we've got to talk about and you can form your own conclusion. Hey there guys, welcome to this week's Money and Investing Show with me, your host Andrew Baxter, and as always my offsider and co-host Mitchell Laurentiu. A strategic partnership this is, thank you very much Mr B, and that just happens to be the topic of conversation today. We're going to be chatting about strategic alliances, value add, or cash grab, the jury's out. Indeed, it's a very interesting area that we're seeing far more of as uh, you know, companies start to link up and hunt in packs for market share. I suppose the first place to start would be the difference between a joint venture and a strategic alliance for the benefit of everybody. They sound very similar and a lot of people can get them mixed up, but in fact, a joint venture versus a strategic alliance really depends on the entity that's either created or not created. So what is that's the right. difference, AB? So yeah, a joint venture is where you create a new entity to operate the activity that you're doing together. Uh, a strategic alliance is where you both maintain your individual identities and entities and just share in the revenue flow that flows off the back of it. So, uh, so just as a point of note, that's the difference between a strategic alliance, which is something we're largely going to focus on today. And before we get into some examples on that, we've been seeing this time and time again, especially recently, businesses collaborating together yeah. and, and building a little bit more of an ecosystem sort of in different sectors. Hmm. Why are we seeing this? Look, I think if you put your cynics hat on for a moment, what you're effectively looking to do as a business is to, well, let's call it what it is, increase your wallet share from your customer. Sure. So if you've got, there's a cost of acquisition getting a customer, and the more that you can provide in terms of service that that customer might like within your ecosystem, well, the bigger the, and it's a very cynical term, but it's the lifetime value of the client effectively becomes for you. Take your cost of bringing someone in the door, let's say it's $1,000, and by having various strategic alliances or several services that you're able to offer, instead of just, uh, I guess, one crack at selling something, you've got an ongoing revenue stream or multiple opportunities. And that's, that's being quite cynical and suggesting it's a cash grab. But when uh, you know, a strategic alliance is done in the right way for the right reasons, it can actually deliver absolutely massive value for the client too. And that's what it should be about, right? Delivering value for the consumer. And yeah. I probably think the best way to, to learn about strategic alliances and why they're so powerful, AB, mm. would be just to dive straight into an example. And probably the household name that we can really think of who's spread their their sort of business everywhere would be Amazon. They've mm. got their hand in so many pies. Let's, let's chat about what they've been able to do. Yeah, I mean, Amazon has been very smart, and I guess you can be when you've got uh, an unlimited bank account. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably more of an acquisition uh, and add into their business was, uh, than anything was the acquisition, I think, of Whole Foods, which is probably about three or four years ago now in the US. It's a great shop. If you ever spending time in the US, and uh, yeah, eating healthily is quite the challenge there. And Whole Foods was renowned for being you know, a pretty organic, healthy uh, grocery shop acquired by Amazon and added into its portfolio, but also in terms of being able to deliver online food to people of a very, very high standard. Uh, and that was a great value add for anyone in the Amazon community. Uh, and also it's provided great um, value add for those people that were diehard Whole Foods sto- uh, shoppers too, because there were strategic benefits for them within Amazon's business being a customer of uh, over here. It certainly makes sense because as the consumer, you're getting the benefit in, in both worlds there yeah. seamlessly in kind of one ecosystem. Yeah. And look, I mean, you can look at it on a smaller scale. If you look at Coles, you buy some groceries at Coles on the back of your receipt, you can get four cents off a litre at Shell. So there's an example of a strategic um, relationship in terms of strategic alliance. Or you can get your two bottles of Yellowtail at uh, Liquorland, uh, which is actually uh, a, a part of the same family of business. So it's not a strategic alliance, it's actually part of the Coles group. So, Did you yeah. know you can actually buy 
car insurance from Coles. How about that? And oh. life insurance, I think, too. And they do uh, landlord insurance, I believe, on their thing. You wouldn't um, believe it, right? Part of a legacy, I suspect, from being owned by West Farmers. Uh, I can't say as I've looked at getting my car insurance. <laughs> I might do that. I might save myself a few dollars at the checkout. You might. You might. Now, we talk about Shell in the example of Coles. Now, to pick out sort of a wacky example, we know that Shell has actually had a strategic alliance for quite some time, I think for 50 years with Lego, out of all things. <laughs> That's what can right. you tell us? Look, Lego, exactly, is having a resurgence in my house. My son loves it. So, um, yeah, and, and, and part of that relationship, and you think about this, is kind of really sort of embedded marketing, I suppose. Um, from Lego's perspective, some of their toys had an element of realism to it by having a Shell logo on their product. And on the flip side, from Shell's perspective, that indoctrination, if you will, of clients or potential customers from the early age, they're used to seeing the Shell logo on their toys. Um, that all came to a head when Greenpeace uh, got involved and said, look, probably not that ethical teaching kids about fossil fuels and all the rest of it, and that was the end of that one. Um, but it was an enduring relationship, 50 years. And, and that notion of capturing an audience very early um, is a very, very important part of marketing and can lead on to a lot of different things. If you think about the banking system, the school banks, Dolomites, for example, which, uh, which has been now banned in Queensland schools, um, of getting people saving when they're younger, uh, but they, of course, are introduced to a particular brand of bank to you. So that sort of planting the flag of that brand is there. And that is the purpose of a strategic alliance, effectively, is to put those brands in front of people that perhaps wouldn't ordinarily see them. And that, you make an interesting point there when you chat about the marketing and, and capturing a, an audience before mm. or, or sort of early on in the piece. Mm. We make the example of airlines and hire cars, for mm. example. Now, by the time you get on the plane, you've probably already booked your hire car from wherever well, you're landing, right? That's right. You sort of sell them, oh, we're coming in to land, by the way, present your boarding pass at such and such car hire, and you're going to get a discount. If you've got on the plane without thinking about how you're getting off and where you're going next is... Yeah, you probably haven't been thinking that far ahead, so you probably do need a voucher to use to save you some money. But you know that's that's an interesting one. But you can get to people far earlier than that, and I'm sure we'll get into a couple of those types of uh, types of relationships as we go on. But again, the, the whole purpose of a really good strategic alliance is a win-win for all parties, as opposed to an attempt at just grabbing more wallet share. So when it's done very crudely, that's what it effectively looks like. It's an attempt at just grabbing more wallet share from that customer uh, by trying to hold them kicking and screaming in your ecosystem. Now, a really good example uh, of, of a symbiotic one that's worked for everyone would probably be Barnes & Noble and Starbucks. So you get a Barnes & Noble in the US, huge bookstore, you might be in there for quite some period of time if you're buying books or just browsing or whatever it might be, getting out of the cold if you're in New York and it's in the middle of winter, which <laughs> a few times. And there's a Starbucks coffee shop within the Barnes & Noble um, shop. So you've got people you want to keep them in there browsing books by giving them a coffee so they can stay longer in the warm and likely spend more money. You don't have to go out and get a coffee, you can get it there if you want to. If you don't want a coffee, you don't have to. It's not a, that invasive, it's just a value-add service. And I think those sorts of relationships, I think, can be very, very powerful when they're executed properly. And you know, the, the, the Coles and Shell one is a great example. Four cents a litre off, there you go. We don't have to give you this, but if you want it, it's there. Save some money. If you want to, you don't have to. So it's, it's not an intrusive one. And they're the really smart relationships when you start to see those come in. Some of them, they don't always work so well. Um, you know, um, what take, have we got in the bad books? What have we got in AB's bad book of, of strategic alliances? Um, let's take, and this is a nice recent one, David Jones, which just can't get a break on anything. <laughs> um, David Jones had a strategic relationship, I think it was with BP. So you go to the BP servo and there's the mini David Jones food hall in the BP. And, and look, if Weird. You, want, you want gourmet food, 
ordinarily probably going to the gas station to get it isn't yeah. your normal port of call. But that said, we're in a society which is busier now. People sometimes just need to grab something for convenience. Truth be known, I've got a uh, my local petrol station uh, is literally it's called the station and stocks the most amazing stuff in it, it at a price. So you can understand what the, the the thinking behind it was, but it just didn't really take off, and they've closed that down now. And that really puts David Jones in a very vulnerable position, by the way, insofar as. The only place you now it has as an outlet for its food is its actual own shops, uh, which you know are, are getting smaller and fewer foot traffic and and less locations all the time. So you wonder at some point whether they pull food from their offering, which will be a tragedy because some of their food is you know it's beautiful stuff. Sure. Yeah. So that that one didn't pan out because maybe maybe the BP isn't the place. I mean, maybe you've gone to the petrol station at sort of one thirty in the morning with the munchies and you're trying to buy some Rizzlers and a packet <laughs> of chips. Um, David Jones uh, gourmet food product probably isn't the uh, the thing that you're looking for. Maybe some junk might be. So so is it about creating a strategic alliance that's going to fit within the business model? So if we use the example of, say, Apple, mm. Apple were able to strategically align themselves with U2 when mm. they first announced, and that was the soundtrack and all yeah. that kind of fun stuff. They're also able to buy out Beats by Dre for mm. a couple of billion bucks, mm. and now that's their, their marquee headphone. Mm. But they kind of relate, and it makes sense to have one with the other. Yeah, it's in the same ecosystem, and it's not that big a, big a, big a shift, if you like. So if you're, um, interesting enough, you mentioned U2 with Apple, because I'm trying to think what product it was that Apple came out with where automatically installed in your iTunes was a free U2 album. Was it Apple Music when they created Apple Music? Quite possibly, yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and the backlash on that was huge because they're saying, look, we'll download, the consumer would download whatever they want, don't force that on us. Mm. It's kind of a goodwill gesture, but sometimes you can get that wrong by maybe overstepping the mark and pushing a little too hard. And I guess, again, that's the art of a, a strategic relationship is here's some value add for you if you want it. I'll go keep going back to Coles and four cents off a liter at Shell. Should be getting a backhander for that. <laughs> um, uh, but you know, that, that, that's a very inoffensive value add that you can immediately discern some dollar value from it. Um, uh, an interesting one over the last week or so um, has probably been Commonwealth Bank. Oh yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, and, and, and look, Hats off to Matt Coman, he's done a pretty damn good job of taking over the helm there and you've got a stock that's at an all-time high. They had their investor briefing last week, which is actually one of those briefings that has a lot of stuff in our industry which is quite sort of ho-hum, do I really need to sit and Fluff. endure this? Really interesting stuff coming out of that. And I guess, you know, as a business, the driver for this, I don't necessarily, we're talking about a bank here and we're renowned for you know, being fairly aggressive towards the banks and you can say, well, it's just another attempt at grabbing more market share or a different type of relationship. But if you sort of look through some slightly different lenses, the margins in banking at the moment are pretty thin given the fact that interest rates are relatively low. And so they've been looking for different things that they can do um, to A, expand margin, but B, value add for their clients. And the uh, acquisition, or they put an investment, in second round investment in a company called Amber, I think it was, which 25 is- 25% stake in Amber yeah, Energy, that's right. 20 million bucks, they get 25% uh, stake in an energy company, and they're not looking to become power generators. Amber's a really interesting tech company, uh, which is a very disruptive technology. And the idea of it is that they're able to, for their clients, uh, be able to deliver electricity prices to retail clients, but at wholesale prices. Right. And we all know how expensive electricity is in Australia. So anything that you can do to you know, reduce your costs, I suppose a saving is as good as a profit. Um, and in the case of the Commonwealth, by acquiring 25% of that business, you, you've technically got a bit of a JV going on there insofar as they own a quarter of the business. Uh, but the strategic alliance is a win-win because obviously it's venture capital uh, or seed capital, if you will, for Amber to continue to grow its business. And it's a phenomenal offer for Commonwealth Bank clients where it's saying, hey, 
if you want to reduce your electricity bill, you might want to consider this and listen to Matt Carmen talk about this. Uh, and I guess that's why he's the, in the big seat at the big bank. Um, it's like, okay, we've got data and this opens up a different door, I suppose, is that mm. whole notion of big data and sure. companies' ability to track you know, what you spend. I'll give you an example of that in a minute. And, and, and um, specifically, he's going like, look, we get people when their mortgage is approved, we know they're moving. And oftentimes when people are moving, they need to either go through into a household budget and or they're also reviewing what their expenditure is and they're maybe winding up their utility somewhere. So it's a perfect audience for us to say, hey, look, your mortgage is approved, you're about to settle, Here's someone you might want to consider for your electricity if you're looking at saving money. Now, that Perfect. is a really, really smart relationship because the value add for the customer is no different to the four cents a litre off. Here's some cheaper energy for you, which everybody needs. It's keeping you within that ecosystem within the bank. No doubt, given the fact that they own a quarter of that business as it grows in value, it's going to be very good for their return on investors and good for their shareholders. So to all intents and purposes, it's a perfect win-win. It makes total sense because it almost creates an ecosystem or, or a platform, if you will, for for, for young people, I think, which is probably the target audience there, the property market raging, buying and selling, there's mm. plenty going on mm. to be able to get your cheap energy, right? It, it does. I mean, everyone's interested in the saving, I'm sure, but particularly so uh, with Generation Z. And again, if you look at, and this was another thing that came out of the, 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 the briefing, uh, they're under 30 clients, so under 30 years of age um, uh, customers, will use their app around about 40 times a month, which is at least once a day, which is extraordinary. Wow, that's a lot. You know, um, and, and it gradually drops down as people get older in terms of their need for doing that. So being in that online space with the disruptive technology and, and not feeling like you're being snooped on, but being put on a silver plate, here's, here's some value add for you, sits very, very well with that demographic. Now, on the other side of the coin, sometimes we can all feel, uh, and we, we literally had this conversation on the way in, that Big Brother is watching you. You know, you start talking about cats and cats pop up on your Facebook feed. Oh yeah, it's weird. Uh, apparently, I don't know, I, I don't talk about cats. Neither so do I, but I've heard, yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, so this notion of big data and, and, and seeing what's going on really can be you know, quite disconcerting, but there's a huge positive to it too. So you know, last week, my Amex card, somebody cloned it and uh, decided to hit my card and, and, and could have done a lot more damage than what they did. So I get a call from Amex going, hey, you know, you don't normally go to McDonald's and you don't normally do this. What's going on with your car? Uh, great service. Great service. Um, and great fraud protection because we're able to just cut the pins off on that pretty much immediately. But that call and that service only came about because of the incredible artificial intelligence and the data monitoring that they've got. So yes, Big Brother is looking at what your spending patterns are. And no, I haven't been to a McDonald's for probably 12 years, so it's good to get it flagged. And all of a sudden, turn the card off, and that's the end of anyone's little jaunt at my expense. Albeit it won't be at my expense, they'll push it back to the merchant. So, yeah, there is some there is some value add in having big data sort of looking over your shoulder too. It's not always a bad thing. And you know, we've spent plenty of time you know, over recent years bagging the banks, Royal Commission, all the rest of it. But when you look at where Commonwealth is going, and 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 I think out of the big four banks in particular, I think the Commonwealth has probably embraced the rebranding and post Royal Commission era. I think in a more affirmative way on the front foot than probably the other three. You know, and you could add other financial institutions in there as well, and you know, AMP is a good example of that too, that have continued to fall foul of the regulator you know, subsequent to the Royal Commission, whereas Commonwealth Bank seems to have left that behind. And, and it's done a lot of work in repositioning its brand on the back of it. And they're really interesting metrics to look from as a trader's perspective. And I guess you know, it comes back to how companies make decisions really isn't that different to how as traders we make decisions. So you could argue that you know, big data is the basis for how many of these companies make a decision. 
But on the other side of the coin, there's also that observational anecdotal proof by actually sitting back and looking at something and coming up with an idea. The intuition kind of thing. The intuition decision. So you take in the case of Commonwealth, okay, we've got all these people doing conveyancing, we've got all these people that are settling on new loans, which means they're moving, which means they're probably looking at their utilities. So why don't we slot in a utility offering in there? And they're looking to do the same thing with internet too, which again, makes perfect sense. For Absolutely. Um, lower the carbon footprint, net zero being the big agenda and so on, tick, 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 happy days. And that's something that big data would probably push as a suggestion towards you. But anecdotally, looking at that, common sense would tell you that that's the same thing too. And I think if you then flip that across to a trader's perspective, big data is your technical analysis. You're looking at the charts, you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at the data to establish ranges and entry and exit points. The fundamentals would be the anecdotal common sense looking from the outside in kind of thing. And I think, you know, the way companies make decisions using both is very effective in just the same way making decisions um, as a trader using technicals and fundamentals makes enormous um, uh, inroads into common sense decisions that are more profitable. And talk about increasing your wallet, you're only going to do so as a trader if you marry up both of those technical and fundamentals, AB. That's right. And, and, and you know, if you look at the banks as a sector, as I say, you know, they've recovered, all of them have recovered reasonably well. But Commonwealth has been on a tear for a reason. And so your fundamentals, listening to stories like this as to where their investment landscape is, you gotta remember, they put in 20 million into that business for a quarter of it. If that business takes off, given the fact that they're also the world, they're Australia's biggest bank, so they're gonna be funneling their clients there and they've got a vested interest to do it. If that business takes off, that $20 million investment, which is pennies in the bucket Nothing. for a company like Commonwealth Bank, yeah. has got the capacity to be worth you know, a substantial amount of money down the track for shareholders. Clients win, Seed capital into a new disruptive technology company in energy that's looking towards net zero. Big win for the environment, big win for the tech company, and a big win for Commonwealth Bank and its shareholders when that pays dividends down the line. And maybe they divest and the company's worth you know, half a billion and that 20% stake is uh, you know, a nice return on investment. And that's exactly what a strategic alliance should be. All parties getting a benefit from the relationship, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and that is it in a nutshell. And if you can find where those overlaps are, um, all of a sudden, um, yeah, as I say, it's a tick, tick, tick all the way through. And look, on a different scale, you know, we look at our business, we look at what our clients do. We have a large body of clients that are involved with the stock market. So obviously having a broking business is a symbiotic relationship. In fact, it's a JV because we own both businesses. Sure. Um, but having a strategic alliance can also be good. So for example, you know, recently we rolled out our accounting service. So we've got clients that are involved with making money. A lot of them are new to managing their own investing. And so all of a sudden tax becomes a little bit more challenging than going to the booth at the shopping center and lodging a, a pay-as-you-go, very, very uh, meat and potatoes, plain vanilla tax, tax return. All of a sudden there are other things to include, you know, dividends, franking credits, income from uh, options trading, and so on. And so the strategic alliance we have with our accounting practice is exactly that. Now, there's substantial discount on that from being a walk-up client that knocks on the door to that business by virtue of our size over here. That means our clients get very good affordable service with an expert that understands trading. We're able to provide a solution for our clients that is at a level with its quality control. It's a win-win. So in just the same way, that's an example where you're attempting to add, va add value to the relationship with the client where everyone wins from it. It makes total sense, and I think when you put it into perspective, it can be done on such a micro scale. It can be done, you know, medium medium size like us, and it can be done on a huge scale if mm. you're a big multinational billion dollar business like CBA. Mm. So I guess as we come to the end of the broadcast, yep. AB, we've we've covered off on a lot of examples here. We've used a lot of companies as anecdotal evidence here. 
what is your final suggestion for anyone who, say, is a trader mm. and is maybe struggling to connect the dots or anyone who's in business who's struggling to connect the dots? Mm. Where do you go to seek advice and how do you partner up with someone? Look, I think joining the dots is the key, isn't it? And if only it were so simple as a four-word answer to end a perfect <laughs> podcast, life would be very much more simple. The reality is sometimes stepping out to step forward is very, very important. If you're involved with the day-to-day within your business, you're focused inch wide, mile deep on you know, the segment that you operate in. Sometimes taking that time out to step back and have a look around and you don't have to piggyback on what your competition are doing. Oh, they're doing this, we should as well. Stepping back and saying, okay, inwardly looking, what can we do to have clients that smile even more, that, that are either saving money or making money or having an easier life as a consequence of another service that we could provide? And that's where the juices then start to flow creatively in a business in terms of, okay, let's create a, a, a JV or a, or a strategic alliance. And strategic alliances should be enduring. You know, if you rush into one, you have to rush out of it too, because invariably they don't work. I look at some of the partners. Yeah, I look at some of the partners that we work with in in our sales and marketing space. You know, 15, 16 years with the world's largest seminar company, and there's a reason we work together, because we both did our homework before we got in, and it's a perfect relationship. Uh, you know, the accounting side is a new one, but both are designed for one thing, and that's enabling our clients to get more out of the relationship that we have with them. Better service, lower costs, better returns, less stress. And I guess the, 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 the missing, the pain of having to go out and find somebody else to do it. If you can go somewhere that you're comfortable with and that you trust, it makes enormous sense. If you're going, right, let's find somewhere we can get electricity from, Google, where can I get electricity from, versus a nice warm email from someone you already have a relationship with saying, hey, by the way, you can get a discount on this service by using us. Sure. Oh, let's give it a go. It's nice and easy. And that's, sort of, that's old school marketing. You know, there's a voucher to say, did you know these are other services that we provide? You know, it's like somebody putting a, you know, you've just moved into your house and, 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 and someone's come through and says, do you need a pool certification done? All they've got to do is look at local sales or drive down the road and see where the sold sign is. All of a sudden, it's a value add for you. That's not a strategic alliance per se, but that's how simple it can be, is making people's life a lot easier. And those great relationships over time that have been you know, super enduring relationships have come about where there's been a match between the products and services where they've gone, okay, let's just not simply look at this and say, where can we make more dough? Let's look at this and say, how can we make our customer's life easier? And if we do that by default, we'll end up making more money. Great advice, AB. Great rundown. Thank you very much. That's an awesome broadcast. One of our best ones, I'd argue. Strategic Alliance, value add or cash grab. Let's hope it's a value add. Absolute pleasure, Mitch, anytime. There you have it, guys. Strategic Alliance is very important to today's business world. Give us a review and a rating, and we'll look forward to seeing you next week.